Hello and welcome to the Film Ireland podcast. I'm Gemma Cray and I'm chatting with Ballywater director Prasanna Puwanaraja. So thank you so much for chatting with us. Well, thank you so much for talking about the film with me. It's really lovely to have conversations about it after a seven-year process of making it. It's nice for it to be emerging into the world. Seven years. Okay, well, I'm definitely yeah. digging into that. It does It does exactly what I love, and is, is that it's kind of pain with comedy. They're my two favourite things. <laughs> All it's of so life cathartic. Is All of life is here. Pain and comedy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So you were saying seven years. So one of the things I'm really interested is to hear about the development process. What gets you working with Stacey Gregg? What gets you over this side of the pond? Yeah, so I, I met Stacey over 10 years ago. We did a, uh, a Channel 4 new writing strand called um, Coming Up. Uh, and um, we were basically paired together on that Um as writer and director and and I think they basically put us together because we worked together well in this kind of workshop thing we made a, a, a silly and quite fun little three minute film together on that scheme um but also they were quite interested in our shared post-conflict heritages um my uh, my family Sri Lankan Tamil uh, Stacey is from East Belfast so there's a kind of um there was a sort of hotline that we immediately had into specifically how people hide in humour, I think, and how they hide deep trauma and um, inherited trauma through humour. Um, Sri Lankan Tamil people are very, very funny. And it's a very funny, I don't know what it is about it linguistically or syntactically, but it's a very funny language. Um, and it's definitely an energy that I recognised in Belfast when I started going there. Um, and I could kind of understand the layers of hiding um, and humour being a kind of like shield, you know, a foot in front of your face at all times, this kind of like um, force field, I guess, this interface space. Um, and um, so Stacey and I were immediately kind of then, after we'd done that film, we started working together on some theatre projects. Uh, we were working on some television pitches and things. Uh, I directed her as a performer in a theatre show at the Bush in, in, in East Anglia um, and worked with her and helped her a bit with some of her live artwork. So we've had a like, very um, multi-faced creative collaboration. And then we started talking about feature film and longer form storytelling um authored i guess by her but kind of co-conceived in terms of like our shared energy which is really about that kind of like what's behind deadpan social realist humor what's the thing underneath it you know um and stacy went away and wrote this script and was just like i think she'd just written a theater show that had been on at the abbey and was sort of like emerging from that and was uh, looking at subsequent kind of creative journeys. And this just sort of happened, I think, over two weeks, we just sort of laid it down. Um, and actually, in terms of the kind of script, it's just not a million miles away from that. There are some aspects of it that, um, you know, some of the stuff around the comedy course 
was materially improvised with those incredible actors in that in that scene. But um, by and large, the stuff between Shane and Eileen, who are the two protagonists, is very much like what that very first um, that very first draft was. I guess start of our working relationship together. Um, but then, yeah, like I say, that was sort of seven years ago. Um, and we developed that script with Northern Ireland Screen and with our producer, James Beerman, and then latterly uh, our second producer, Nick Bauer. Um, and that work involved development of the script, honing it, I guess, working out its primary concerns and sharpening those. And, um, and you know, a few reckeys to the Ards Peninsula, and I was immediately kind of thinking about how to shoot the film and what the visual reality of it was and the sonic reality of it. Um, uh, so I started very early on kind of going there whenever I could and driving the peninsula a lot. Um, uh, so I had a kind of spatial map in my head of the primary road journey in the film between Belfast and Ballywater that they undertake. Um, key locations, key sort of places um down to you know that hill on that bend of the road will be a good place to put a camera on sticks to get a shot like this you know um because i think i knew that however we ended up making the film was always going to be i guess a practical challenge um because it's a complicated film it's a it, like it's a secretly complicated film it's um it's partly on the road, it's partly in cars, it's also kind of, you know, big set pieces and large scenes with lots of cast and uh, challenging environments to shoot in, coastal environments, A-roads, you know. Um, so not, so, so, we, so we, we wanted to kind of cherish that scale and for it to feel like not, you know, as um, one of our, uh, someone at the BFI asked us in our pitch, you know, how do you stop this just being the inside of a Toyota Prius? It was really important that it wasn't. And it was important that it wasn't another grey film from these islands, you know, that it that somewhere in its kind of social realist makeup was colour and life trying to happen, you know, uh, that weirdly the characters were not able to access or something, you know. Um, and, um, yeah, and then, then it was a case of, you know, the near endless <laughs> search for finance and um you know we're so grateful to our partners at the bfi uh, screen ireland and northern ireland screen for not only coming on board the film but not not disembarking it <laughs> like prematurely because it took us so long it took us so long and it actually was just in the pandemic i think when you know uh a lot of projects really fell apart at the start of the pandemic. Um, and I think there was a sort of sense that, you know, we could do a film about two people in a car. Um, I think a lot of our stakeholders had sort of forgotten that it also had like 35 other people in it. <laughs> loads of, loads of comedy club to, scenes. Yeah, comedy club scenes. <laughs> loads of ways to get COVID on that shoot, you know, but uh, nobody did. We had one positive test out of 650 or something in five weeks of shooting in the pre-vaccine pandemic in Northern Ireland. Very lucky. Oh, my God. Very, very lucky. And actually also just very, you know, 
very hard work doing that it, and, and a huge kind of commitment from the crew and the cast to protect each other really just physically just medically speaking not 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 anything to do with protecting the sanctity of the film or anything like that literally like before but the it back. sort of is because one yeah, person goes down up, one tree fells up, a lot of the forest is down <laughs> yeah it ends up being that but it also ends up being about like you know trying to protect jobs and you know 150 100 100 jobs in the pandemic around christmas time is really no joke um and so people were amazing and and um and our at our end we we tested rigorously um and at considerable expense actually for for a very very small production like ours we essentially spent our entire contingency budget on covid which is something that is just not heard of you know in particularly in in small scale independent filmmaking those contingencies are so vital to get you over the line and we just didn't have anything so it's um it was a it was it was all the challenges of location indie filmmaking it was my first film so all of those challenges as well plus a pandemic plus you know brexit which happened in the middle of our shoots uh, so actors who were going to be coming up from uh ireland were suddenly kind of not able to because of the collision of Brexit and the pandemic suddenly meaning that uh, COVID rules between the two nations were no longer compatible because they were no longer part of a bigger European COVID sort of direction of travel. So we would, it was just a bewilderingly complex thing to do. Um, but, you know, we've we've i think we've managed to hide the complexities of the filmmaking and and um it's a it's a lovely compliment that the film receives that it feels quite simple i think which is good and, and that it speaks to people like that they think that is one of the best um compliments that you can get and definitely thematically it doesn't sit into the you know classic british working class film like you can really get the irishness of it because uh it's there's such a feeling of darkness to it. And I'm like, you know, like that kind of processing of pain with like with humor. And you can really get that sense for it rather than, you know, instead of the like, we'll all band together and it'll be brilliant. Like so many of the, you know, like the full Monty, all those things are about overcoming yeah. obstacles. And this is more about like a, a kind of pained internal journey and 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 internal obstacles. So it's it's sort of a really wonderful um it's probably a very good time to have that explored post-pandemic when a lot of people are working through their own issues. And, you know, I think especially at that time, so many people were faced with the things maybe they were avoiding in their day-to-day -day lives because you just had to sit at home. Um, how much of that would have played into the way that you shot it or would it have been like an unconscious thing that you and Stacey would work together, get it across the line and it just so happened to work out that way? Um, well, I was just very aware from the start, I think, of, of making an Irish film, I think. And I think it's the thing, all of the things that you've described as kind of ways in which films from this island might inflect Britishly or Irishly. Yeah. While sharing a certain DNA. Uh, and how actually profound those little inflections end up being. Like the notion of something feeling Irish is really quite subtle, I think. 
and and that and I don't know what it is, but I kind of understand that more the older I get than I do what Britishness is. You know, I think it's to do with a sort of flipping of the siege mentality or something. There's something about there's something about Ireland that is spiritually rising, I think, or trying or reaching or something. And something about Britain that is really struggling and in a tailspin about how to recover from doom, you know, to use that word that you've described, which is sort of what the pandemic was. And I think like um, we de- we've lost a shared national story in Britain. I don't think we have one anymore. Um, but it doesn't really matter where you come from in the island of Ireland. There is a there is a short a story that is shared. There's a there's a space that is collectively inhabited, um, and that space, as you say, contains a, a huge amount of trauma, but also a huge amount of joy and a huge amount of spirit and verve and life and wit and narrative and community and you know crack basically. Um, and so you know, I think that's a kind of, in some ways, it's a ten year embedding in a space that I really understand as being, you know, like fundamentally post-colonial, which is absolutely the, the landscape of my, my upbringing, even though I grew up in the South of England because of my kind of heritage, I guess. So it's a, it's a kind of like um, concurrently running understanding, I guess, or an instinctive understanding of what an Irish film is for me. And it's probably closer to me than what a British film might be, I guess, uh, just because of that. And it's a very, it's a very deep rooted like thing. Um, so I get, I, I get that a lot, and it's, a, it's a really wonderful compliment. But um, you know that people kind of go, "You're sort of weirdly more Irish than the Irish." I'm like, I'm like, yeah, great. You know, I would absolutely take that. I think that's a really wonderful thing. Having spent most of my childhood basically being told to, you know, f off back to wherever. It's quite nice to be in a space where actually people are going, oh, no, actually, you're very much like us. Yeah, you're, you're home yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. We're, yeah. We're, we're all we're all we all have intergenerational trauma going back like yeah. so many generations. Completely, completely. And it's um, and, and so that that strand in the film, what you inherit, the, the kind of like cascading, it's sort of like an anvil falling down a mine shaft you know the 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 way that trauma just like careers through generations um like heavily but rapidly and silently you know um is something that i'm only really coming to terms with how that is a part of a south asian british life you know in in very very different ways but fundamentally like rhythmically related ways to what it's like to to be a person from the island of Ireland in these islands, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Stacey and I kind of never really spoke about that when we were piecing together the film, but it was, it was always the thing that I guess had brought us together um, that she always remarked on, I think, that the notion of our where where our understanding meets and it's not really in an intellectual space it's it's in a kind of spirit space or sort of 
instinct space or something. Um, so actually, it wasn't really about, and this is the, the most long-winded answer ever. Oh, no, I love it. This is brilliant. Because <laughs> even though even though it's long, it's very focused and very <laughs> and clear. <laughs> um, no, I think like there's, you know, that it was... It was never about having to create an architecture of Northern Irishness, essentially. Like that fundamentally that was in Stacey's script. It was in our relationship as collaborators. And it was very much in my instincts around how to make the film. And that's about, you know, visually what it, what it would need in order to kind of release its spirit and, and you know, musically, even in terms of like uh, our composer, but also like the kind of, what the kind of I guess musical DNA of the film is um all of those things were they felt like instinctive choices rather than impositional choices I guess you know but it was interesting like every every kind of um every time we went out to finance the film there really was this kind of like sort of eyebrow going up going why are you making an Irish film you know in a way that you'd never ask a white director from England you know um, sort of like a sense that I should probably be making something about arranged marriages or, you know, whatever. Um, but like I say, you know, the, 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 the Irish story and the South Asian story are sort of the same story. Yeah, that's it. And sure, no one questions the the white middle class man going over and doing anything anywhere. Like he just gets a pass yeah, and, I mean, and like an I'm allowed to be here pass wherever they go, even when they shouldn't. Yeah. Even yeah. you specifically shouldn't be telling certain stories. Well, you know, I mean, I think there's, it's interesting though, because I think you never quite know what a person's connection point with the story is. Yeah. And it is always worth interrogating. But I don't think that interrogation has really happened until recently. Um, and I think it's, it's also just about a representational thing, isn't it? Like if you've got, people sitting in thrones of storytelling and actually there are people not able to sit down. You, you it, it may be that you, you, it's not that it's not authenticity necessarily that you lose, but it, but you lose richness and detail and honesty and the kind of secret spaces of lived experience, I think. So, um, so in a way, I mean, you know, my cinematographer, Bali Walter, Federico Cheska, is um, South American, he's Argentinian, um, li lives in Slovakia, studied in New York and, and um, Santiago, I think. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he left a very, very small baby and his wife to come and shoot this film, The Pandemic. And then... And then eventually they came over to visit on the understanding that they wouldn't be able to fly back for Christmas because of Brexit and, the, and, and COVID. And again, his sort of out, uh, space of outsiderness, but his interior understanding of um, aloneness at the end of relationships and so on, you know, like there's, a, there's sometimes a pretty interesting thing that comes from the slightly adjacent view, provided that it's located somewhere in the bedrock, you know. So, you know, it's a challenging thing, that thing about like, who's allowed to tell what story, I think. And if it's you can, if you can authentically get into it somehow, like it doesn't, like there has to be some kind of way of like, because you do, you feel it in any 
anything you watch or read or do, you can feel it if there's no hint of truth mm. behind the emotion of it, uh, I think, yeah. at a certain point. But, and, but, but also, like, I think, you know, that's the point of story. Like, stories is, it, it, it's about connecting to another human rather than, and that, that is sort of is about the authorship, isn't it? Um, and, so, and I guess, like, sometimes you want a story to just, you just want to skip along the surface of a thing, you know? And that's fine too. But I think with something like Bally Walter, where it's all about what's under the surface, I, I think it would have been so easy for it to just be, I guess, like quite light and just to look at that sort of surface space. And so, yeah, I mean, I hope that like the, my relative distance from that place and weird connection and closeness to it somewhere in that tension is the energy of the film you know when pain is observed it often is very angry and i think when people have female characters they're often afraid to give them that rage underneath the pain but i'm like but i like an and an angry female protagonist because i feel like that's much more authentic to my lived experience and that of people around me but it's not something yeah. that always translates onto yeah. screen yeah and I guess it's also about what the context of that rage is and what the male energy around it is. Like, does it have its space to grow? You know, it was so interesting when we cut the film. It just for ages, it didn't quite, we didn't quite get to her in the right way in the first 10 minutes. And so we just, completely recut the opening wow what did it look like in the different well, variations of it it used to begin with a car crash that she drives away from and it just made it really hard to kind of get into her as a person to try and want to understand you know i think well this is the kind of feeling that people that we tested the film on early on just found it challenging in a way that I just simply don't believe they would have if the protagonist was male. I think people would have been like, ooh, Travis Mitchell, ooh, you know, interesting, ooh. Um, and I was not really prepared to run the risk. I don't know. I, 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 I was like, we'll get, we'll get them. We'll get them in the end. But I don't want to make it easy for them to slip out of a side door in the first five minutes, you know. Um, and that doesn't mean that we then were like, okay, roses around the door at the start. Like it's a, it's a, it's a near wordless first six minutes of the film. Um, it's a kind of, I sort of love it actually. It's like a really specific kind of, almost like a poem of a life in your twenties. Um, that for the very, very first opening sort of sequences, um, and I worked really carefully with our composer, who is a, a musician from Dublin called Niall Lawler, N.C. Lawler. He's a busker from Grafton Street. That's when I sort Ooh. of met him. Um, with a kind of amazing, like, Irish slash Texan bluegrass guitar heritage. Um, and, um, you know, we were sort of, like, looking at it and... He sort of, we did a, we, most of the process was um, 
on conducted in advance of the shoot and, and on WhatsApp actually we just shared ideas and pictures and thoughts and he would just make these little WhatsApp clips of him playing his guitar um, and quite a lot of the film is actually just scored directly from my WhatsApp um, and the bits that aren't we recorded over a couple of days in Dublin in Dunleary and um, that opening section he was sort of so keen to just in his phrase push it sideways and just help it to be a bit strange and funny and weird and you know and so all of those things were about kind of like I guess just shifting refracting re-refracting the beginning of a protagonist's journey um so that it never felt like it was either just a happy person or a sad person or a angry person but that it was a person who was all of those things at once um on the skids a bit you know um so yeah i think it was i think you've got to really look after your angry protagonists you've got to really treat them with great care so that that rage is like absolutely deployed but deployed kind of with clarity i guess and context um so yeah and i'm i'm delighted actually the film has found a really clear audience among uh women really in their teens and, and 20s and early 30s um which is i think a real testament to Shauna as well and her ability to connect and open up as a sort of performer. Um, she is a true cinema performer, I would say. And it's really interesting watching the film big. Um, it's a, it's an interesting thing to kind of consider what makes any film cinematic. And it could be anything from like the need to share it with other people or, you know, the kind of visible scale or the like secrecy of it that requires holding of attention away from phones and things. But for this, it's about watching two people crack each other open at scale, but in small ways. And, and that really is in the particular case of Shauna, like her gift to her audience and that audience, which is that, you know, that kind of Gen Z audience, I suppose that, I guess increasingly feels like less of the world is meant for them. You know? Yeah, it's it's so frustrating, and you can you can hear those sentiments. So it is lovely in a post COVID world to have that to have like your interesting female character flawed portrayed on screen, um, and again like and about the connection about moving back to life like it just seems like a really wonderful almost fortuitous time I'm sure you weren't feeling that when everything was pushed back but it seems like it's no. a sort of healing time for this type of film it, it really I mean honestly like the 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 need for stories and artworks and ways of telling um human-sized stories about people who are just making a journey back from aloneness and isolation. Um, you're totally right, has just become the central creative. Uh, I, I, for me, it's just like at the center of everything. I think people are, have, have, have been so alone together 
for the last few years. Like the kind of isolation in the paradox of lockdown with other people. Um, the sense of a shrinking world, the sense of like the future just vanishing, you know, living in a kind of grim present. Um, just need to know that like round the corner is a stranger who just might turn it around for you and not in a big way, but just like might see something in you or see something in your future without even realizing that they're doing it and you might do the same for them and you might walk with them for a few months in your life and that might be it, but it might be enough. And like it's a film, it's, it's, it really is just about that. And I think post-pandemic, it's like everyone needs that. Everyone needs that. That's so lovely. I've read a thousand questions that I won't ask you because I know we're really short on time, but I just, <laughs> I do want to say this is your first feature um, as um, one of the interesting things is you were a doctor before. <laughs> it was like, yeah, okay, now you've yeah. gone to like the the spiritual healing end of things, which is which is lovely. <laughs> but um, you've you've kind of come at this from different angles as a performer. Um, you've, you've written yourself. You're you're you know like you really kind of understand all the hats that are in the space. Um, as a director, do you feel you know a, a project of this scale? And obviously, that has been such an uphill battle for so long. Like, what is it that you've taken away from that journey yourself as a as a creative? Well, I think that's a really interesting question. I think the um, I think there's a sort of solo attritional quality to filmmaking, which um, until you felt it, I don't think you ever quite understand what that is. Um, and it can really feel like, I guess. Like no one's ever asked you to do anything creative, you know what I mean? It's like, it's it's an act of personal, like need or or, you know. But it's also service. It is, but I think I think I I kind of find it hard to get to the place where I see it as that because I don't believe that I necessarily. And the person to provide that service, if you know what I mean. Um, what I do believe is that, you know, there's only ever been one of any of us. And so we all kind of have that requirement to get out there and be in the world and like connect, I suppose. Um, but I think the, 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 the real challenge is the kind of, you know, it's holding on, I suppose, for that amount of time with your collaborators and everyone's holding on, you know, Stacy, James, Nick, Patrick, Shauna, uh, and our incredible, like everyone just holding on, holding on as the film just kind of went through its various sort of phases of silence and visibility. Um, because, you know, the truth is you never know whether anyone's gonna see a film that you make, whether they ever can, you know, um, and, I don't think anything quite prepares you for how dark that can feel, you know, particularly when you think that actually there is value in it and there is connection in it. And then you start to see that connection happening when you take it round the festival circuit and, and for this film, big audiences turning up, you know, three, 350 people in Belfast at the premiere. Um, the film won an audience award in Washington, DC. Um, you start to see it's the way that it connects, you know, 
and then and then whole new realms of kind of fear emerge like will will we be able to get it out into the world or will it sort of will 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 it have a potential that was sort of untapped in terms of as you say you know reaching people um and so it's a sort of gift that keeps on <laughs> the stress <laughs> yeah. of waiting yeah, yeah, <laughs> and finding a, out it's an unbelievably challenging attritional thing um and you know that's the real lesson i think for me is that that you know in order to see the course you've got to absolutely know why you're making something which get which circles all the way back around to what we we're talking about at the start which is like what's what's the fundamental plug-in of a piece of material to you so the real take home for me is that i i nowadays spend quite a lot of my time trying to work out why something doesn't connect with me rather than trying to persuade myself that it does, you know. Um, and people don't ask me to direct things very often at all, but when they do, it, it's sort of so often the case that I kind of go, I don't really think I'm the person for that or I can't really find a way into that. I don't really know why that would be me, you know. Um, I mean, people do ask a lot. They sort of go like, well, you know, you, you, you just learn so much making a film. And it's interesting how much of that was actually away from the making of the film, if that makes sense. The stuff that I've really learned about myself and about it as a process that is sort of nothing to do with, you know, the intricacies of post-production or the actual building of a thing on set, you know. Then what would it be kind of more things in terms of character, like yeah, str internal yeah. strength and patience? Like, Obviously, uh, is that it after seven years? Yeah, yeah. And you go, right, okay, we, we're all here. And what was that? You know, and um, where I'm trying to understand, like, whether you've got a fundamental need to put stories out there. And if so, what are those needs and what are those points of connection with the world? And I guess from that you come to some sort of understanding about what each project is as a particular diary entry in your life, you know. Um, it's weird because with films, because they take so long to make, like you journey into new eras of your life as you're doing, you become essentially a different person. I think our, biologically, I think all of our atoms have recycled every seven years. Wow. So you are, so you are literally I'm, a completely, I'm entirely different person. Completely different physical human. Um, plus, you know, seven years older, through a pandemic, you know. Um, Feature under your belt as well, like part of that process of actually going. It's a very different type of career path. It is, although I, I think like I've not really there's no plan kind of thing. I mean, it's one of my favorite lines in the film when Shane and Eileen are talking at Grey Abbey. And uh, he just says, there's no plan. Like there's never really a plan. Um, and there sort of isn't, you know, I don't really have a kind of um, scheme here that, you know, like when, when, um, when you say like, you've got a feature under your belt, it was sort of, I don't think it was really a case necessarily that if I hadn't directed this film, I would have directed something. I might have done, but 
there wasn't like an abstract thing about like, I'm going to make a film now. It was like, here's the thing that I really get. And here's a person who I really understand who's written it. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. That's wonderful, actually. That's And it's such an organic, authentic way to connect with material. It, and then just one last thing is, if there was something that now you'd feel the urge to tell, would there be like another type of a story that you'd go, okay, I've I've dealt with this type of situation. I've dealt with these type of characters. Now I want being at a different stage to tell, you know, something focused on community or so like, is, do you know, like what do you feel now that you've kind of changed as a person and as a, and a creative would be the next stage that you'd yeah. like to get into? Yeah. I mean, I think actually I would like to get into I, that. I, one of the things that's been so fascinating to look at in this film is is the notion of intergenerational trauma, um, heritage fracture, you know, um, second generation narratives, I guess. And so I think the thing that I'm most interested in at the moment is actually stories specifically from my heritage space. So, um, you know, Sri Lanka and the civil conflict being one of the most silent underreported spaces and yet is a place that people honeymoon to you know it's a very unusual island in that way you know no one was going to belfast in the 80s going but it's there's a really it's really great spa vibes you know Whereas like Sri Lanka is absolutely that. So there's um, the most bombed hotel in Europe. Like that's their thing. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you know what I mean? It's uh, it's a challenge on TripAdvisor, a stat like that. Um, whereas, you know, people really have been going back to Sri Lanka and kind of going, oh, no, we've not been to the north. So it's sort of still a bit, you know. Um, and so I think I'm interested in the tacit, I guess, um, blindsiding or looking away I guess like how it, it's the other side of the curtain maybe from how do people who are the recipients and the inheritors of trauma navigate the world which is maybe what Bally Walter is to how do outsiders from that space ignore it yeah fact, you know um but um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it, that's one for the development fund. <laughs> one for the development fund. I mean, as, as you can probably tell, they'll be uh, they'll be battering down the door to finance that. But <laughs> I don't know. You know, I haven't seen it, so. Well, you know, let's see. Let's see. Watch this face. <laughs> Brilliant, but but it's it like I I just like such a beautiful film. There's such a, a warm cast. The the mm. the content is beautiful. You know, twenty second of September. Uh, cinema release, um, the whole of the island of Ireland and the island of GB on the same day. Um, I would really say to people like it, it, it catch it at the cinema, catch it at the cinema, and 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 you know, uh, if you're a person in your fifties, find a person in your twenties and take them along, and very much vice versa. Yeah, that's oh, that's lovely. So you have those two generations yeah. represented yeah. in, in like, yeah. but I, yeah. but I kind of think that's so important as well to Definitely. to kind of like again that level of healing and connection after yeah. how many um, years? Like you um, can you can kind of feel it in the air still. It's not settled. No, it's not. So um, with a bit of luck, this is a a, a bit of balm. 
Yeah, a bit of pseudocreme for the soul. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that can be your poster quote. Yes, exactly. Little yeah. Ireland, pseudocreme yes, for the soul. The weirdest, the weirdest. Um, <laughs> Most abstract uh, one yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sponsorship deal ever. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but wonderful. But thank you so much. Well, thanks very much. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Mel. Bye. Bye, mate.